Hello and welcome to season one, episode 10 of Inspired Short Stories podcast. Today we have something a little bit special for you. It's a short story written by one of America's great writers, Albert Hubbard, who was the founder of the Roycroft artisan community in East Aurora, New York, and an influential exponent of the arts and crafts movement, uh, which I'm not going to go into too much right now. He was one of the greats. He was born in 1856, and he and his wife both died in 1915 when the RMS Lusitania was sunk by a German U-boat off the coast of Ireland in that year. And I just thought that there's not really any better way to close out this season than to close it out with one of America's great writers. And this piece in particular is something that a great many people, uh, whether they want to hear it or not, I really feel that it is something that people need to hear, whether you agree with what he says or not. I think employers will be particularly taken by this, as well as employees who strive to be high performing in their work, uh, regardless of whether the boss is there or away. This is A Message to Garcia, written in 1899. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 10 of Inspired Short Stories Podcast. Today we have something a little bit special for you. It's a short story written by one of America's great writers, Albert Hubbard, who was the founder of the Roycroft Artisan Community in East Aurora, New York, and an influential exponent of the arts and crafts movement, uh, which I'm not going to go into too much right now. He was one of the greats. He was born in 1856, and he and his wife both died in 1915 when the RMS Lusitania was sunk by a German U-boat off the coast of Ireland in that year. And I just thought that there's not really any better way to close out this season than to close it out with one of America's great writers. And this piece in particular is something that a great many people, uh, whether they want to hear it or not, I really feel that it is something that people need to hear, whether you agree with what he says or not. I think employers will be particularly taken by this, as well as employees who strive to be high performing in their work, uh, regardless of whether the boss is there or away. This is A Message to Garcia, written in 1899. Enjoy. In all this Cuban business, there is one man stands out on the horizon of my memory like Mars at perihelion, 
when war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly with the leader of the insurgents. Garcia was somewhere in the mountain fastnesses of Cuba. No one knew where. No mail or telegraph message could reach him. The president must also secure his cooperation, and quickly. What to do? Someone said to the president, There is a fellow by the name of Rowan will find Garcia for you, if anybody can. Rowan was sent for, and was given a letter to be delivered to Garcia. How the fellow by the name of Rowan took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, in four days, landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out on the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot, and delivered his letter to Garcia, are things I have no special desire now to tell in detail. The point that I wish to make is this. McKinley gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garcia. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, where is he at? By the eternal, there is a man whose form should be cast in deathless bronze, and the statue placed in every college of the land. It is not book-learning young men need, nor instruction about this and that, but a stiffening of the vertebrae which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to act promptly, concentrate their energies, do the thing, carry a message to Garcia. General Garcia is dead now, but there are other Garcias. No man who has endeavored to carry out an enterprise where many hands were needed, but has been well nigh appalled at times by the imbecility of the average man, the inability or unwillingness to concentrate on a thing and do it. Slipshod assistance, foolish inattention, dowdy indifference, and half-hearted work seem the rule. And no man succeeds unless by hook or crook or threat he forces or bribes other men to assist him. Or mayhap, God in his goodness performs a miracle and sends him an angel of light for an assistant. You, reader, put this matter to a test. You are sitting now in your office. Six assistants are within your call. Summon any one and make this request. Please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of Correggio. Will the clerk quietly say, Yes, sir, and go do the task? On your life he will not. He will look at you out of a fishy eye and ask one or more of the following questions. Who was he? Which encyclopedia? Where is the encyclopedia? Was I hired for that? Don't you mean Bismarck? What's the matter with Charlie doing it? Is he dead? Is there any hurry? Shall I bring you the book and let you look it up yourself? What do you want to know for? And I will lay you ten to one that after you have answered the questions and explained how to find the information and why you want it, the clerk will go off and get one of the other clerks to help him try and find Garcia. And then come back and tell you there is no such man. Of course, I may lose my bet, but according to the law of average, I will not. Now, if you are wise, you will not bother to explain to your assistant that Correggio is indexed under the C's, not in the K's, but you will smile very sweetly and say, never mind, and go look it up yourself. And this incapacity for independent action, this moral stupidity, this infirmity of the will, this unwillingness to cheerfully catch hold and lift, these are the things that put pure socialism so far into the future. 
If men will not act for themselves, what will they do when the benefit of their effort is for all? A first mate with knotted club seems necessary, and the dread of getting the bounce Saturday night holds many a worker in his place. Advertise for a stenographer, and nine out of ten who apply can neither spell nor punctuate and do not think it necessary to. Can such a one write a letter to Garcia? You see that bookkeeper, said the foreman to me in a large factory. Yes, what about him? Well, he's a fine accountant, but if I'd send him up town on an errand, he might accomplish the errand all right, and on the other hand, might stop at four saloons on the way, and when he got to Main Street, would forget what he had been sent for in the first place. Can such a man be trusted to carry a message to Garcia? We have recently been hearing much maudlin sympathy expressed for the downtrodden denizens of the sweatshop and the homeless wanderer searching for honest employment, and with it all often go many hard words for the men in power. Nothing is said about the employer who grows old before his time in a vain attempt to get frowsy ne'er-do-wells to do intelligent work, and his long, patient striving with help that does nothing but loaf when his back is turned. In every store and factory, there is a constant weeding out process going on. The employer is continually sending away help that have shown their incapacity to further the interests of the business, and others are being taken on. No matter how good times are, this sorting continues. Only if times are hard and work is scarce, the sorting is done finer, but out and forever out the incompetent and unworthy go. It is the survival of the fittest. Self-interest prompts every employer to keep only the best, those who can carry a message to Garcia. I know one man of really brilliant parts, who has not the ability to manage a business of his own, and yet who is absolutely worthless to anyone else, because he carries with him constantly the insane suspicion that his employer is oppressing or intending to oppress him. He cannot give orders, and he will not receive them. Should a message be given to him to take to Garcia, his answer would probably be, Take it yourself! Tonight this man walks the streets looking for work, the wind whistling through his threadbare coat. No one who knows him dare employ him, for he is a regular firebrand of discontent. He is impervious to reason, and the only thing that can impress him is the toe of a thick-soled number nine boot. Of course, I know that one so morally deformed is no less to be pitied than a physical cripple, but in our pitying, let us drop a tear, too, for the men who are striving to carry on a great enterprise, whose working hours are not limited by the whistle, and whose hair is fast turning white through the struggle to hold in line dowdy indifference, slipshod imbecility, and the heartless ingratitude which, but for their enterprise, would be both hungry and homeless." Have I put the matter too strongly? Possibly I have. But when all the world has gone a-slumming, I wish to speak a word of sympathy for the man who succeeds, the man who, against great odds, has directed the efforts of others, and having succeeded, finds there's nothing in it, nothing but bare board and clothes. I have carried a dinner pail and worked for day's wages, and I have also been an employer of labor. I know there is something to be said on both sides, there is no excellence, per se, in poverty, rags are no recommendation, and all employers are not rapacious and high-handed any more than all poor men are virtuous. My heart goes out to the man who does his work when the boss is away, as well as when he is at home, 
and the man who, given a letter for Garcia, quietly takes the missive, without asking any idiotic questions, and with no lurking intention of chucking it into the nearest sewer, or of doing aught else but deliver it, never gets laid off, nor has to go on strike for higher wages. Civilization is one long, anxious search for such individuals. Anything such a man asks shall be granted. His kind is so rare that no employer can afford to let him go. He is wanted in every city, town, and village, in every office, shop, store, and factory. The world cries out for such. He is needed, and needed badly. The man who can carry a message to Garcia. This is an extremely thought-provoking piece, and it almost feels a little bit scandalous because Albert Hubbard is siding with the employers, with the business owners, with the wealthy people, which is not something that we hear a lot of in uh, today's society, in today's rhetoric. There's a lot about you know pharmacies that are you know massively overcharging for drugs, and you know all of this. Uh, you know, we had the great resignation recently. A lot of people weren't happy in their jobs and they started quitting and going and doing their own things, learning how to be digital marketers and uh, graphic designers and uh, th things like that, changing their careers into something that they felt more, uh, more compelled to do. And it was a remarkable shift for our economy. And there is some truth to it. I mean, even in Albert Hubbard's time, you know, he, he mentions uh, in factories and stuff like that, which... It struck me as odd because when we think back on the factory work of the late 19th and early 20th century, it was basically slavery. It was like uh, working in retail, except even worse. You know, you you lose your hand in a machine and uh, they won't turn the machine off. Uh, they'll pull you out. And um, if you're still alive, they'll bandage you up and they'll send you home and they'll give you your last paycheck and they'll fire you because you can't work anymore. You don't have a hand or an arm or whatever it is. I don't think this message is for those people. And and the reason is that a person who will take a message to Garcia who works in a situation like that, uh, like retail or um, or factory work, will very rarely receive the kind of recognition that Albert Hubbard talks about. And the reason is because those positions are pardon my French, inherently exploitive. They don't need to promote an associate to manager if the associate is already doing manager tasks without being a manager. They don't need to, unless they're smart and good-hearted. You know, the word I'm looking for is unless they have integrity. And I have no facts or figures to point to whether most companies have that kind of integrity or don't, it's mostly hearsay, but, you know, basically the word on the street, the consensus is probably not. I think that Albert Hubbard's story, his guy who will take a message to Garcia is more effective of an attitude for somebody who works in some kind of 
uh, high skill profession, right? If you work for a law firm or a financial institution or at a high level in a big company or any other job where, or business, honestly, like you could think of your customers, your employers in this case, because they're, they're the ones paying the bills, you know, by buying your service, if you are able to take a message to Garcia for your customers, you will have more customers. If you are able to take a message to Garcia for the partners at your law firm or uh, other professional uh, workplace, then I think you'll see a much higher degree of success. And I try to go over this story at least once a month because I work in a position like that and I want to be that kind of employee. One other thing I'd like to point out about this story is that it was written 124 years ago. So I, I'm sure many of you have noticed that Hubbard uses the formal masculine throughout the story. The employers are he's, the employees are he's. Again, it's a time period in American history where uh, women rarely worked in the type of professional situations that I think Hubbard was talking about with his story today. So please have some patience. I'm sure if Albert Hubbard lived today and had the values of today, uh, that this would be applied to women workers as well. Anyway, I thought it was a really thought-provoking piece. I would love to hear your thoughts about it on r slash inspired short stories. And this is the end of season one. This is episode 10 is the end of season one. The next season will come out in about a month. Uh, I'm going to spend that time recording the episodes and working on Void Child, which I do hope to start releasing as a bonus during season two or possibly after season two. And I'll see you guys soon. In all this Cuban business, there is one man stands out on the horizon of my memory like Mars at perihelion. When war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly with the leader of the insurgents. Garcia was somewhere in the mountain fastnesses of Cuba. No one knew where. No mail or telegraph message could reach him. The president must also secure his cooperation, and quickly. What to do? Someone said to the president, There is a fellow by the name of Rowan will find Garcia for you, if anybody can. Rowan was sent for and was given a letter to be delivered to Garcia. How the fellow by the name of Rowan took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, in four days landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out on the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot, and delivered his letter to Garcia, are things I have no special desire now to tell in detail. The point that I wish to make is this. McKinley gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garcia. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, where is he at? By the eternal, there is a man whose form should be cast in deathless bronze, and the statue placed in every college of the land. It is not book-learning young men need, nor instruction about this and that, but a stiffening of the vertebrae. 
which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to act promptly, concentrate their energies, do the thing, carry a message to Garcia. General Garcia is dead now, but there are other Garcias. No man who has endeavored to carry out an enterprise where many hands were needed, but has been well nigh appalled at times by the imbecility of the average man, the inability or unwillingness to concentrate on a thing and do it. Slipshod assistance, foolish inattention, dowdy indifference, and half-hearted work seem the rule. And no man succeeds unless by hook or crook or threat he forces or bribes other men to assist him. Or mayhap, God in his goodness performs a miracle and sends him an angel of light for an assistant. You, reader, put this matter to a test. You are sitting now in your office. Six assistants are within your call. Summon any one and make this request. Please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of Correggio. Will the clerk quietly say, Yes, sir, and go do the task? On your life he will not. He will look at you out of a fishy eye and ask one or more of the following questions. Who was he? Which encyclopedia? Where is the encyclopedia? Was I hired for that? Don't you mean Bismarck? What's the matter with Charlie doing it? Is he dead? Is there any hurry? Shall I bring you the book and let you look it up yourself? What do you want to know for? And I will lay you ten to one that after you have answered the questions and explained how to find the information and why you want it, the clerk will go off and get one of the other clerks to help him try and find Garcia. And then come back and tell you there is no such man. Of course, I may lose my bet, but according to the law of average, I will not. Now, if you are wise, you will not bother to explain to your assistant that Correggio is indexed under the C's, not in the K's, but you will smile very sweetly and say, never mind, and go look it up yourself. And this incapacity for independent action, this moral stupidity, this infirmity of the will, this unwillingness to cheerfully catch hold and lift, these are the things that put pure socialism so far into the future. If men will not act for themselves, what will they do when the benefit of their effort is for all? A first mate with knotted clubs seems necessary, and the dread of getting the bounce Saturday night holds many a worker in his place. Advertise for a stenographer, and nine out of ten who apply can neither spell nor punctuate and do not think it necessary to. Can such a one write a letter to Garcia? You see that bookkeeper, said the foreman to me in a large factory. Yes, what about him? Well, he's a fine accountant, but if I'd send him up town on an errand, he might accomplish the errand all right, and on the other hand, might stop at four saloons on the way, and when he got to Main Street, would forget what he had been sent for in the first place. Can such a man be trusted to carry a message to Garcia? We have recently been hearing much maudlin sympathy expressed for the downtrodden denizens of the sweatshop and the homeless wanderer searching for honest employment, and with it all often go many hard words for the men in power. Nothing is said about the employer who grows old before his time in a vain attempt to get frowsy ne'er-do-wells to do intelligent work, and his long, patient striving with help that does nothing but loaf when his back is turned. 
In every store and factory, there is a constant weeding out process going on. The employer is continually sending away help that have shown their incapacity to further the interests of the business, and others are being taken on. No matter how good times are, this sorting continues. Only if times are hard and work is scarce, the sorting is done finer, but out and forever out the incompetent and unworthy go. It is the survival of the fittest. Self-interest prompts every employer to keep only the best, those who can carry a message to Garcia. I know one man of really brilliant parts, who has not the ability to manage a business of his own, and yet who is absolutely worthless to anyone else, because he carries with him constantly the insane suspicion that his employer is oppressing or intending to oppress him. He cannot give orders, and he will not receive them. Should a message be given to him to take to Garcia, his answer would probably be, Take it yourself! Tonight this man walks the streets looking for work, the wind whistling through his threadbare coat. No one who knows him dare employ him, for he is a regular firebrand of discontent. He is impervious to reason, and the only thing that can impress him is the toe of a thick-soled number nine boot. Of course, I know that one so morally deformed is no less to be pitied than a physical cripple, but in our pitying, let us drop a tear, too, for the men who are striving to carry on a great enterprise, whose working hours are not limited by the whistle, and whose hair is fast turning white through the struggle to hold in line dowdy indifference, slipshod imbecility, and the heartless ingratitude which, but for their enterprise, would be both hungry and homeless." Have I put the matter too strongly? Possibly I have. But when all the world has gone a-slumming, I wish to speak a word of sympathy for the man who succeeds, the man who, against great odds, has directed the efforts of others, and having succeeded, finds there's nothing in it, nothing but bare board and clothes. I have carried a dinner pail and worked for day's wages, and I have also been an employer of labor. I know there is something to be said on both sides, there is no excellence, per se, in poverty, rags are no recommendation, and all employers are not rapacious and high-handed any more than all poor men are virtuous. My heart goes out to the man who does his work when the boss is away, as well as when he is at home, and the man who, given a letter for Garcia, quietly takes the missive, without asking any idiotic questions, and with no lurking intention of chucking it into the nearest sewer or of doing aught else but deliver it, never gets laid off, nor has to go on strike for higher wages. Civilization is one long, anxious search for such individuals. Anything such a man asks shall be granted. His kind is so rare that no employer can afford to let him go. He is wanted in every city, town, and village, in every office, shop, store, and factory. The world cries out for such. He is needed, and needed badly the man who can carry a message to Garcia. This is an extremely thought-provoking piece, and it almost feels a little bit scandalous 
because Albert Hubbard is siding with the employers, with the business owners, with the wealthy people, which is not something that we hear a lot of in uh, today's society, in today's rhetoric. There's a lot about, you know, pharmacies that are, you know, massively overcharging for drugs and, you know, all of this, uh, you know, we had the great resignation recently. A lot of people weren't happy in their jobs and they started quitting and going and doing their own things, learning how to be digital marketers and uh, graphic designers and uh, th things like that, changing their careers into something that they felt more uh, more compelled to do. And it was a remarkable shift for our economy. And there is some truth to it. I mean, even in Albert Hubbard's time, you know, he, he mentions uh, in factories and stuff like that, which struck me as odd because when we think back on the factory work of the late 19th and early 20th century, it was basically slavery. It was like uh, working in retail, except even worse. You know, you you lose your hand in a machine and uh, they won't turn the machine off. Uh, they'll pull you out. And um, if you're still alive, they'll bandage you up and they'll send you home and they'll give you your last paycheck and they'll fire you because you can't work anymore. You don't have a hand or an arm or whatever it is. I don't think this message is for those people. And and the reason is that a person who will take a message to Garcia who works in a situation like that, uh, like retail or um, or factory work, will very rarely receive the kind of recognition that Albert Hubbard talks about. And the reason is because those positions are pardon my French, inherently exploitive. They don't need to promote an associate to manager if the associate is already doing manager tasks without being a manager. They don't need to, unless they're smart and good-hearted. You know, the word I'm looking for is unless they have integrity. And I have no facts or figures to point to whether most companies have that kind of integrity or don't it's mostly hearsay but you know basically the word on the street the consensus is probably not i think that albert hubbard's story his guy who will take a message to garcia is more effective of an attitude for somebody who works in some kind of uh, high skill profession right if you work for a law firm or a financial institution, or at a high level in a big company, or any other job where, or business, honestly, like you could think of your customers, your employers in this case, because they're, they're the ones paying the bills, you know, by buying your service, if you are able to take a message to Garcia for your customers, you will have more customers. If you are able to take a message to Garcia for the partners at your law firm or uh, other professional uh, workplace, then I think you'll see a much higher degree of success. And I try to go over this story at least once a month because I work in a position like that and I want to be that kind of employee. One other thing I'd like to point out about this story is that it was written 124 years ago. So I, I'm sure many of you have noticed that Hubbard uses the formal masculine throughout the story. The employers are he's, the employees are he's. Again, it's a time period in American history where 
women rarely worked in the type of professional situations that I think Hubbard was talking about with his story today. So please have some patience. I'm sure if Albert Hubbard lived today and had the values of today, uh, that this would be applied to women workers as well. Anyway, I thought it was a really thought-provoking piece. I would love to hear your thoughts about it on r slash inspired short stories. And this is the end of season one. This is episode 10 is the end of season one. The next season will come out in about a month. Uh, I'm going to spend that time recording the episodes and working on Void Child, which I do hope to start releasing as a bonus during season two or possibly after season two. And I'll see you guys soon.